All right, everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. This is a beautiful episode. I'm just going to let you guys know right off the bat because the the topics and the stuff we're going to be going over, we just had some real life examples as we are trying to get set up to record this episode. But welcome back for those of you who have been here before. My name is Jason. I'm here with Brian, Tommy, and Caleb. And uh, ready to kick off a great episode. We're going to be talking about some frustration in this one here. And I want to ask everybody what frustrates you to everyone listening in and it's it's such a a timely question because as we were uh talking about the episode before we hit that big red record button we want to talk about things that frustrate us but to get to a deeper level here and and ultimately to this question of how can we as leaders or as believers as christians stay up in a down world because you know spoiler alert the world around us is constantly in a downward cycle and so uh, before I bring everybody else in, I want to throw this hypothetical scenario out there to all of our listeners when we're talking about frustrating things and how that can spur us to action. So picture that you're on Facebook or social media and you see someone you know post an article praising a political figure that you are absolutely against. Again, this is a completely hypothetical thing. I'm sure no one's actually experienced this, but you see that post and you get this thought of, I need to say something, or I need to post this other article about the other politician because I know they're the good one, because what you've just seen frustrates you that someone believes something that's wrong. It frustrates you and it is is spurring you to action. And so we've been taking a look at ourselves and asking, do we take action out of frustration or do we do it because it's the right thing to do, regardless of the emotional triggers that are going on or the lack of emotion? Do we do it because we're frustrated and we want to act out on something? Or do we take action in, in life because it's the right thing to do? And so uh, before we get too deep into it, I want to bring everybody else in. So uh, guys, what frustrates you? I think for myself, it's kind of like your example, maybe not always with politics, but it's when... I know from my perspective, I know somebody's wrong and they can't take any other facts or information about that situation and they just simply won't believe it. And I know that it's not freeing to them or to other people what they're believing. And so I think that really frustrates me when I can't, when other people won't even consider other perspectives. Like, I mean, I'm sure I do that too sometimes. And then that frustrates other people but that frustrates me as well so i guess i uh along similar lines of caleb and you jason i get frustrated at a more recent occurrence of virtue singling um just where someone um may do something out of fear of what other people may think of them or of you and that really frustrates me especially when i see people who I know believe a certain way and then act differently to fit in with the normal or standard of what other people would think or other people would do in a certain situation. Um, that can just be really frustrating to me, especially when it's like a friend or someone I know who doesn't necessarily believe in that certain idea and just seeing them kind of bend to the will of people and to you know the mass of people. And I think that has a lot to do with social media too. I get frustrated when I see posts that 
don't necessarily align with what I think, or I think they don't understand the whole context of a situation. Um, that can be pretty frustrating for me as well. Honestly, the biggest frustration I get is when I'm allowing the scenario to, to bring me to a lower place. And I just know if, if I don't go down that journey and let my emotions take over in my frustration, I, I know I'll be able to deal with it properly. But the moment I get frustrated, I'm going to handle it in a manner to relieve the frustration. That could be saying something. It could be acting a certain way. And even though the action may appear right, my motivation is wrong and my only outcome is really to win. But I know if I can get, and this is easier said than done, but I know if I can get my own frustration under control, I may still do the same action, but my end goal and my motive is radically different. And the only real, the context, the scripture I can really see this in is when uh, Jesus is passing through Samaria with his disciples and he's on his way to Jerusalem and, they, and the Samaritans reject him. And it was James and John uh, quoting a Bible verse, like they wanted to do what the Bible said to do to people like this. All right. Luke chapter nine, verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John saw this rejection, quote, this rejection, referring to what just happened, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Right? Because that's what happened before. So this is a good example of where we need to do this again. And Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know, Matt, what you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. It did not mean the end ramifications for Samaritan, the, 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 the region that they were going into wouldn't have a devastating effect. It didn't mean, because uh, Jesus later on said two cities, because of their unbelief, it will be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. It didn't mean that there won't be an action, but his motive was for the people. So I'm not here to, to consume people because most of the time people are only doing what's been stirred against them in the process. And he saw beyond that. And so I think that's where catching the right spirit when something's happening to us is absolutely the most critical thing. I'm not, I'm not an expert at this, I will tell you. I'm, I'm probably a learning amateur in doing this. I just know when I'm starting to get frustrated, I've just learned i got to step back and find out why am I feeling inferior to this problem. And I need to deal with that inferiority before I can actually deal with what's going on. And I think there's a big difference between acting out of frustration, as we were talking about before, and pursuing something because you know it's the right thing to do but but honestly a lot of times that line is blurred i was just talking with my wife a few days ago about some just things that are coming up in the world around us and communities and and we we see all these things that are wrong and that stirs the frustration in you which and it it feels like justice because i see something that's wrong or incorrect and it should be right. 
And because it is unjust and it is wrong, I want to take an action and correct it. But it's it can be hard at times to discern the difference between, man, I'm really frustrated that this thing's wrong or this person is believing something wrong or they're teaching something wrong, they're spreading something wrong or they're doing something wrong to me or to someone else. And so I need to stop that versus being for something, being for the truth and pursuing that. And it, at times, I don't think we know how to tell the difference, to be honest, because it's we're so used to reacting to something negative that we see and try to correct it because that's what justice is. It's to right the wrongs. It's to liberate the oppressed and all of that. But then what happens in reality is we end up finding ourselves in a place where we're just constantly triggered by emotions and acting out of frustration, which does not lead to a good end result. So how have you guys kind of practically taken a step back from those moments? Because I don't think we ever get a world where we don't get frustrated and don't have those things flare up. So how have you guys practically stepped back in those moments and and figured out a way to, okay, I know what's going on. I know what I'm feeling right now. How do I walk this without being triggered or frustrated? How do I walk this calmly, confidently in the truth? I think one thing that has really helped me a lot is perspective because like when I get frustrated, if I'm talking with someone, sometimes I just get too narrow-minded in the situation that I'm in. So I'm only seeing it from my side and like feeling like, oh, what's being done to me or like where in this case am I like the person getting something done against me in this in this situation and I think stepping back which is sometimes hard to do in the moment especially when you are frustrated and there's emotions there and everything but if like I think practicing it has helped like you know just to consciously take a step back from the situation and go okay what's the truth here and um because typically like frustration for me is when it comes to dealing with other people. So I think stepping back and viewing their perspective and my perspective, and then like even like an outside perspective um, to consider all the different aspects, I think really helps because then I'm not so focused on myself and how my emotions are telling me what's wrong, but more just like from a logical, rational perspective. what is the situation and taking account into all the different factors instead of just focusing on myself so much. But that takes time, doesn't it? Like you have to take specific time to remove yourself from a situation sometimes, get perspective and then come and look at it again. And the the problem with that is I think we're a very reactionary people and we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait to get perspective to look at something because then, you know, the the argument might have gone on without us or there might have been a resolution to the problem without us while we were out there getting perspective. You got to be you got to respond right away, especially in a world of of Twitter and Facebook and social media where, you know, if you're not the first to break a story, you're kind of left behind and that leads people to just want to jump on the things and then maybe have to delete something later when they realize they got it wrong. That really begs the question then what why why is that so important to us I, I find it interesting that just in characters both biblically and in the natural uh those that could 
do justly in a situation, but they weren't pressured to act in a situation outside of their own decision. They seem to have that long term that they can absorb the ramifications. They can think through that process. Like I, I, I just, uh, we had just got done in our, our fellowship group going through Act Seven. These are brand new believers. They, they don't know anything. This is the first time they've ever even read it. And I am profoundly amazed that they understand things more clearly without any background knowledge, but just reading it going, oh, wow. And then they come up with a better synopsis of what's taking place. But the thing that they admired is how did Stephen go and he's a waiter. The waiter at the restaurant. Okay, it wasn't. He was ministering the food to the the widows at the table. That's what his job was. But he was full of faith, full of power, full of authority, and miracles were happening through him. So this is just a guy that believes, all right? So they're watching this, and then he gets brought up before the, the leaders and told, stop talking in Jesus' name. And he gives a whole synopsis of the Old Testament bringing us to Jesus, right? Then they kill him, stone him. And his first response is, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Like, there was no anger or animus towards this. He did what was right because he needed to do what was right, but it wasn't an emotional response. It was a righteous response. And he rebuked them for how they treated Jesus. They re- he rebuked them for their thought process. Yet he was never mad at them. And I think that's a great example of you can still be in an action, you could still act, but not letting it become personal and emotional to you. And we see this in sports all the time. This is actually a tactic of the opponent. You frustrate a player long enough and they will emotionally respond. And then you step back going, it's not my problem. He's the one that's, and then they get the flag, they get the red card, their game gets off, everything else. And you're the one at antagonizing them into that scenario. And you do it on purpose. I mean, I don't do it on purpose, but they do it on purpose in order to f- get them emotionally focused on the wrong thing. I absolutely did that. I, and so a little story for our listeners in, in college, playing some intramural basketball, I was never a big offensive player, but I was a very good defender and I could defend multiple positions. And so we're playing this game against this other team and, and they had one of the best scorers in the intramural league and he would just drop baskets all night long. And I remember wanting the assignment to defend him because I knew that I could get into his head and frustrate him. And if I could do that, I could take him out of the game. And so I would just play really tight defense on him for the first few minutes, not let him get to his spots, push him around a little bit, as long as I didn't get uh, called up for it on a foul. And a few minutes into the game, he was so frustrated. I remember the exact spot on the court. He was he was on the wing. He had the ball, and I got right up to him, perfect defensive stance, and he was so frustrated. He didn't have room. He just swung his elbow right into my face, got called for the offensive foul, and from then on, we had the game because I had made him so frustrated. And I know I'm the bad guy in this story, but it illustrates the point. I had made him so frustrated he wasn't playing his game. He wasn't acting from what he knew or going to his moves and his skills and what he knew he should do. He was just this angry, emotional, frustrated being that lashed out. And so he didn't have the refs on his side. He didn't have his teammates on his side after that because everyone saw he's just, he's, he's out of control now. And so 
You see the environment around him start to see him that way. You see his actions start to be frustrating. And I remember thinking, man, this is, this is kind of how our world is. Like if I can get you triggered and frustrated and just constantly in that cycle, then you're not really going to be acting out of truth or stability or confidence or courage or anything like that. I can kind of move you around wherever I want to if I've got you in this frustrated cycle, if I'm, if I'm the bad guy in this scenario here. You know, I, I like that term, play your game. And so from a sporting idea, I mean, Tommy could probably attest to this. How many times when we're playing a team that they were, they were playing differently, they may have been playing better, and then we started changing our game to try to accommodate what they were doing versus play our game and stay at that so we had an opportunity. And I, I think this is, I think that's a great, spiritual life thing is you have an identity you have been you you have a a role to play in this life and if you don't play your game the enemy will do everything to get you to play a different game and the moment we let our emotions drive our decisions we are going to be playing his game and it won't be long till all of that ends up coming back on you and the effect of it will actually be uh, negative because the whole idea of the enemy is to bait you into stepping out of your game. Because you'll make some bad decisions when you're frustrated. Like in, in every aspect of life, I mean, you think of it from a, just a creative aspect or even in business, like Tommy, through, through your experience there, like if you're a really frustrated business person, you're not going to make the best decisions. If you're reacting to things and not thinking on a long-term plan or thinking, how does this action align with the foundation of our company? You're going to make some really bad decisions that, that you not only regret later, but that can drastically affect the long-term outlook. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I kind of took this at a different angle though, is that um, when that does happen, like Jason, like what you're saying about having like someone in your face and playing really tight defense and trying to get on your nerves. I think if, like, if I look at it from like an athlete perspective, um, playing soccer, many times that's what, as a, as a defender, as defensive back, that's what the offense tried to do is they tried to get in your face to try to get in your way, try to get you off your game, try to get you not focused on how can you help your team, but how can you stop them or hurt them or get in their way or annoy them. And then your focus is less on how can I help the team win the game, but how can I manage this person? Or And then you start getting emotional, like, why is this guy always on me? He's really making me mad. He's frustrating me. But if you use that as like, a chance to like step up to the plate and like do more for your team. I think it, it can really change how the game is played. And I see that many times is like when you're challenged in a way, it could give you a chance to get emotional and get upset and act out of emotion, or it can give you a chance to really show what you're made of and really dig into yourself and power through in that sense. So I looked at it as a sense of like, if you're experiencing that frustration, like take a step back and see what is the bigger goal? What is the bigger purpose? Um, there's countless times where in soccer, you know, I'd get frustrated with someone on the attack trying to 
just bully you and just, you know, play little, little games with you, try to get in your head. But if you just stay focused on the course, a lot of the times that stuff doesn't matter. It ends up hurting them in the long run because they're, they're frustrated. They're not affecting you. I remember we were coaching last sports analogy, but I remember we were coaching. I think you may have been in eighth or ninth grade, Tommy. And we were playing a team. We were just finally coming together and we weren't that great yet, but we were coming together, but we started winning a game, but they had one striker. The The rest of the team was, uh, they were struggling on our opponent side, but they had one striker that could out dribble through all of our defensive line. So he would go down every time into the corner, come back around and shoot on goal. And it was getting really close. And the defender was becoming so, so frustrated. Like he was getting mad. If I told you who it was, you would know exactly. It's like, he was just, he was losing it. So I said, coach, I can't stop him. What am I supposed to do? I go, just let him do whatever he wants to do. Just stand in front of him. All you have to do is stay three feet in front of him. Don't even go for the ball. Don't do anything. Just go stand in front of him. He's wanting you to be baited in. And he did that. And he said, I felt so awkward. I just stood there and just wouldn't just stayed in front of him. And the guy couldn't do anything. And what it did is the whole team ended up coming down and swarming on him. And he ended up losing the ball. And he's like, I can't believe that worked, but I felt so stupid doing nothing, but just standing in front of him. But it worked because that's what the, uh, that guy needed him to do was to go in and be baited into the environment so he could get around him. And so if we, if we kind of understand if this works in sports, it's the same in life. It's the same that the enemy's tactics has never really changed. I'm going to bait you and bait you and bait you and bait you until you either feel inferior or you lash out in a way that puts you at a disadvantage. This is a constant. If we know that idea, then we'll step back and say, how do I deal with myself that I'm no longer frustrated and I can deal with the problem differently? I think you just brought up a really good point too. It kind of reminded me of like growing up with my brother, you know, we really know how to get on each other's nerves. And so one would always trying to be baiting the other one to get to do something, you know, extreme or lash out in a certain way against them. But when you, when like you're baited out against that, sometimes the best thing is just not to respond. Like in soccer, like what you're just talking about, sometimes the best thing to do is just stand there and not go out and try to get the ball, but just stand there. So I think, I think that's like a really good point is just like sometimes the bait is there and sometimes the best thing to do is just to stand there and let what happens happen and remain calm in that. But in a way you're still present in the situation. It's not taking a passive role. You're actually taking an offensive role. You're just letting them wear themselves out with the nonsense until they they can no longer do it anymore. So, so maybe you guys can expound on that a bit because um, I'm thinking how, how do you describe the difference between, all right, I know I'm being frustrated or baited into an action here and I shouldn't do that, but, but it's such a strong feeling of, well, I can't just sit here and do nothing. I can't just sit here and say nothing because then I, I just become this passive person and I let all these wrong things happen around me and in the world. And so there's this genuine feeling of, I need to do something. How do you parse that out from acting in frustration versus, okay, I know I need to do something. So what's the right thing to do and pursuing that? 
because in, in your examples, even to beat our sports analogy again, you didn't ask the defenders to sit down on the field. Like they still had to defend, but there was all this feeling of, I, I'm, I feel like I'm just sitting there in front of them doing nothing. And yet they are doing something. So how do you, how do you understand what to do when it's okay? Am I acting in frustration or am I doing what I'm actually supposed to do in the right way? It's kind of like how our father speaks to us. The player trusted me. Now, if he didn't trust me, he was just going to keep doing it. And I would have had to replace him with another player. He trusted me. It just went against the grain of everything that he wanted to do, but he trusted me knowing this will break that other player, that this will actually be the thing that overcomes. And so if we get the concept, God is not having us do something to be weakened. He's doing things to lift us above the situation so we can have a long-term effect that actually brings change or actually brings deliverance or actually brings a fruitfulness of that scenario. And I think we're so conditioned that we need to just respond. And there is times, I mean, I can go through stories of godly men that responded in a righteous anger at the scenario, but it wasn't for self-protection. It was because there was something bigger and now an action needed to take place. So there is times you need to be more aggressive. There is times you need to actually, I mean, okay, I guess we're going to do another sports analogy. Some teams need such a high press that you shove it right back in their face, not cheating, not, not acting the same way, but you actually become more aggressive towards them as a team. And then all of a sudden they get stepped back onto the back burner of those things too. So What's hard about any of these scenarios is you could say, okay, what do I do in this scenario? Get a hold of your emotion and then use your emotion based on your decision that's right. Now let your emotion flow. It's just make the right decision, then let your emotion flow. Don't let your emotion flow and try to flow a decision out of that. It's just flipping those. We need emotion. We need passion. When Jesus healed the leper, it said he had compassion on him. That word compassion means a violent anger towards what was holding that man back. It, it was an anger. When he went to the temple, it was out of anger towards what they were doing. But he stepped back and took time to process what he was going to do. That's why he made a cord of whips. He sat down. He started making his cord. He knew what he was going to go do to deal with these people. But his motive was for the people, not for defending ourselves. And I think really that's where we get the most frustrated. We get the most frustrated because somehow it affects me because what you think is unjust is going on all over the world, but you're, no, you're not concerned about what's happening somewhere else in the world. You're only concerned what's happening in your backyard. Well, if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. I mean... Why aren't we having an equal frustration cross the board? No, it usually is when it affects us. And so that's where we have to get that, get our emotions and our frustrations out of the way so we can make right decisions. Yeah, it really, it comes down to ego. I, I can think of a situation just this last week where I was with family and 
politics got brought up and there is a little bit of a difference and I could sense myself beginning that frustration part. And when I felt that, it became all about me. It became what I wanted to say, what I wanted to say, what I wanted them to think, what I wanted them to hear from me, what I wanted them to think about me. It wasn't truly about hearing what they have to say and understanding it and dealing with that and moving on from there. It was all about me. When I was playing as a defensive back, um, a lot of times when someone would on the offense would take a charge or try and attack you. Um, I had to think about what was my motive? Was my motive trying to protect my ego, ego that that guy just pushed me down or just shoved me and I need to go shove him back and get back at him and do what's best for me because I care about how I looked in front of everybody? Or was I trying to do what's best for the team? Because if I took a step back and looked at it, what's best for the team is, okay, yeah, this guy can shove me around, he can push me around, but as long as our team is moving up the field and doing what we need to do and I'm not getting emotional and not letting everyone else get all frustrated too, if I can help contain the team and tamper down the emotions of this, it ultimately is a better outcome for the team. So I think really going back to just getting a hold of that emotion and understanding what's behind each perspective because sometimes I think it is right to respond right away and to take action but I think you have to know where is that coming from is it coming from like I want to be right I need my ego to be you know inflated or is it really about other people and that comes in in advance you didn't just sit down and have a whole mental process right in that moment. There's things that were built during practices and, and we talked about things and you know, there's times in sports. Um, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about getting expelled from a team or just, or doing something cheap, but there's strategic fouling in sports. There's sometimes you have to take one for the team. Like you do something that causes a foul to get the ball to stop. So the rest of the team could come back. That's what I'm saying is like, you can't look at which action is the right one. It all stems from how am I going to be motivated in the middle of this? Like in a way, Stephen took one for the team as being the first church martyr, martyr uh, outside of the first group of Christians that were being formed. But it, there, there is a point you do, you do step in, even though it might get you sidelined for a little bit, you might have to come out of the game because you did that, but you're thinking about the whole team. And I'm not talking about being cheap or uh, doing something illegal, uh, fouling is part like basketball. The reason you have so many fouls before a person, because you strategically use fouls in order to adjust the game and, and alter the flow and all that stuff. So again, don't get focused too much on which action is the right one. It's more of how do I deal with my emotional response that I get out of myself so I can think through what is the best for who I am how do I affect people and the influence around me of what I need to do? Caleb, is that is that sort of what you were getting at earlier when you were when you were talking about people with, you know, that might be spreading information that you know is wrong and there that's a frustrating thing? Because I think that example is I mean, just very applicable for many people today, where we see all of this stuff going around. It's easy to have that gut reaction at first, and sometimes, like you were saying, that it is right to respond right away. 
sometimes you need to take a step back. There's so many different approaches, but is that kind of what you were talking about when it comes to just relating with people as well? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I said this earlier, but it's definitely something I've had to practice in my life because you're not just going to one day wake up and decide, oh yeah, when it comes to this situation or in the, you're not going to decide in the moment when your emotions are already going crazy and you're angry and stuff like that. So I think it's about making a conscious decision beforehand. If I come across this situation, or if you know, you're going to come across that situation, I'm going to respond for the sake of other people not to protect my identity or make sure I feel secure about this. Cause I already know like the truth in my heart, but what is my motivation for responding to this situation? If you, if I respond at all, like even a personal example I can give from my life is that like there was a classroom setting and the teacher was like, Hey, this is a truth um, that we all agreed on in the last class. And it really frustrated me in the moment, honestly, because I was like, well, I know that's not true on the topic we were talking about, but before, like I even said anything i think part of my decision for saying something was well other people have to know that they don't have to accept this as truth for whatever reason just because there's someone in a higher position saying it i think that really helped in that situation for me personally because then when i did bring up questions to question what they were saying was truth it wasn't motivated out of like this is wrong i need to say something about it to fix this situation because i know it's wrong it was more like of like a peace and calmness of hey there is other perspectives on this and we don't have to be so like be single-minded at this situation for the sake of other people and i think that situation went a lot better than where it was initially going to go when i was starting to get really frustrated with what they were saying. So I think that's just something that I've had to practice over life and I still have to practice it every day. I mean, even in conversation with friends and stuff, you know, if you have a difference of opinion on a topic, you still have to stay level-headed and be conscious of how you're responding to them and what your motivation is in anything, I think. Brian, so I I want you to talk about how you've how you've demonstrated that being in a foreign country that does not have the same religious or cultural background as the US. So the reason I bring that up is this. When I look at Jesus, he didn't act out of frustration very much like you like we were talking about. He didn't act out of frustration. And so when he saw different systems around him preaching law um, the Roman government, what Jewish systems, when it, he saw all these things that were contrary to the kingdom of God, he didn't run around as if, oh no, these things might threaten what I believe. He didn't feel that frustration or that threat or that insecurity. And I think at times that's where a lot of us get stuck. There's something that pops up, this organization over here, and it threatens something in me. It threatens a belief that I hold to be dear and that I know as a, as a Christian or as an American or what, as a human being, whatever. It threatens something in me. So we just respond because we feel like we are being threatened and we have to defend ourselves against that thing. But you live in a country where someone could look at well let me let me say it this way you live in a different land 
It's not the culture you grew up with. It's not the religious system you grew up with. And so someone could feel threatened by being surrounded by that. But you've demonstrated something completely different, just like Jesus did in his ministry. So how has that actually worked? I think there's a couple of key pieces. I knew why I was coming. And it didn't always play out how I would like it to go. But in time, it did. It actually played out better. Part of it was. I was okay being ignorant at certain things. And then I was honest about being ignorant of certain things. So this began to grow and, and opportunity and favor started growing among the group. But I think the best example would be in the early days when we were working with the government, the, the director wanted us there, wanted us to do our program, wanted us involved. But the lower officers, there was a couple of them, did not want us there. They didn't like our, our ideas. They didn't like what we represented. They didn't want us there. So they would slowly grind to a halt anything that we could get done because they just moved at a different pace. They didn't disobey the director, but they didn't make anything easy. And... Uh, at the time, the director, I, the director we had for our, our ministry here, he just said, I'm going to go back to the director of the government and, and let him know. And so we can get this thing moving on. And we would have been able to do that. We had, we had favor with them and we would have been able to do it because them, the officers not obeying would have been going against the director. And so that there's a lot of shame culture here. So you don't mess with hierarchy. And he said, I'm just going to go and ask him and we'll fix it. And I go, that's not going to fix it. We're going to do this completely different. We're here to love people. So what you're going to do is you're going to go from the janitor all the way up to the officers and find out what can we do to make your jobs better? What do you, what are you trying to implement? How can we work alongside this so that way your job is better and all of that? Now, at first I was frustrated because this was going on and my director was really frustrated, but I stepped back and I go, what do we win? If we win, there's no win. It's, it, it's just an end because directors change in time. So when that director goes, where does that leave us with all these people that don't want us here? And then they'll start stirring how much they don't want us here. So what we did is we went to the lower level officers and find ways. How can we get you promoted? What's your job description? What do you do within this that we could actually help help that? Well, we did that long enough that things changed. They knew we were for them. They knew uh, we got our emotions out of the way and we just treated them, even though they were treating us like garbage and making everything become frustrated. We didn't let that happen. And we took, we took the ground of the role that we were put in to do and worked with them. And when that, when the director ended up leaving, getting transferred to another province, a new director came in. You know why that new director wanted us there? Because all the officers and staff wanted us there because they trusted our program and they saw what we could do. And there's an example that if we let frustration set in, we could become very angry at these officers. We could have taken some short-term routes and had them relocated to other departments and uh, all of that stuff. But we chose a different route. And again. The route we chose isn't as important as having the clear thinking with who we were, why we were there, what's the long-term goal of being there, 
that's what changed it. But we had to not become frustrated at that scenario. And there's thousands of them because you always are a guest here. You you don't have rights to go demand of a court that they did this to me. You're always a guest. And so you have to function in that mentality. But I don't have to be inferior. I've learned to be absolutely confident and superior in what the father told me to do here. Therefore, I can navigate through all this stuff uh, differently. And I honestly, I think it's easier here than back where I have the rights and I have all of that stuff because there I tend to let, I'll let my emotions get more a hold if I go back to the US. And so I got to be aware of that. So in a way, because you understood the purpose of why you were there and could see a bigger picture, then you, you didn't get sucked into drawing the line of, oh, well, these people are for us and these people are against us. And so we need to work with the people that are for us to overcome the people that are against us so that we can rise up and win. It wasn't really that kind of a mentality. No, because it, here's the reality with, with our, if we just deal with people about our old fallen nature, the moment you have leverage over anybody or they think you're rising higher than them, there is very few people on the planet in our old nature that celebrate your success. They're, they're not going, man, you went further than me. I am so proud of you. How can I get a hold of you? No, there tends to be a little bit of, of resentment. So it can pop at any point. Just try doing something successful that you believe is successful that no one in your sphere of influence has dared try to do. They may support you now, but the moment you step into that, well, all the warnings come, all the cautions come, all the, all of their expertise come, even though they've never done it all come. Yeah. I've tried that once too. Yeah. I I tried that once too. It doesn't work. And here's why that's always going to happen. But as believers, we should be so confident to lift other people higher because we're already secured in our highest position. I can't get any higher with God. I could do more things. I could have more responsibility, but I can't get any higher with them. But those responsibility and things have, can never become my identity. And when it does, it becomes a danger. So we always battle that. You know, what's funny is people will use that same kind of, well, I tried it once and that didn't work with, not just with, with natural or specific things, but with, with spiritual and emotional things too. I've had so many people when I talk about peace and a lack of anxiety and a lack of fear because of the relationship I have with God, my father, and I try to walk them through it or explain it. It's like, well, yeah, I tried that once. I tried, I tried not worrying about my problems. I tried not seeing myself as, as a slave, but as a son or a daughter, and it didn't work. Or I tried believing in God for provision once and it didn't work. And, and it's almost as if we're looking for an excuse for, for why something won't work so we don't have to try it again. It's almost like we're looking for a reason not to do something so that we can just soak in our frustration and kind of marinate in that and respond out of that because that's what we're used to. And, and we can justify it that way. Well, I, I just get so frustrated when I see people talk about this stuff or do something this way. And I just can't help it. I'm just a very passionate person. I just, I can't help it. It's just who I am. And we never try to develop these things of of, of confidence and courage that doesn't feel the need to lash out. Well, and I be- really wish people would stop giving excuses for those things and, and just give it a chance to work and develop it. Cause like we've all mentioned, 
it's not something that you just switch a light on and now you're all of a sudden never going to be frustrated again. It does take some time to work that out. Well, I think part of the challenge is uh, that we live in such a unique time in history because this is the first time where they really publicly shame and, and, and make you feel bad for not going along. It, it's never really been in history before. It's only been yeah. in the last couple of years that anyone in the world has ever experienced this before. So it, it's harder now. It, it's harder now. Yeah. Yep. There's no sarcasm. No one's ever had it as voice. rough as we have it here. I, I know. It's, 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 yeah. it's very different. So everyone else who's done it in the previous in time, they're not really a good voice because they don't really understand what it's like to be blocked on Facebook. They, they don't get it. They, they, don't, they don't get what it's like now. Right. Sure. Stephen might have been stoned to death and been, you know, praying for the people that were killing him, but he had he'd never experienced yeah, being locked out of Facebook, like you said. So how would he know? He wouldn't know. I mean, he didn't have his followers just abandon. He he didn't have his followers dislike and do some thumbs down on his on his actions. I mean, they threw stones at him and killed him, but I mean, they didn't hurt his feelings. Because that's what's the most important, right? Our feelings. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think that's we've discovered well, in our current so, day and age that feelings are the highest, the highest sense of reality. That's why Jesus, in I believe it's Matthew 15, where when Jesus's disciples came to him and said, "You know, the Pharisees were offended by by what you just said," and then Jesus responded with, "Oh, they were. Oh my goodness, I just I need to delete that and I need to respond differently." Well, that's where John. Well, there's actually, a, there's a footnote. John actually meant to put Jesus wept right there, but he puts it later <laughs> Jesus on. Wept. He wept that he offended the Pharisees. So Caleb, Tommy, you guys are, you know, from the, um, the sensitivity generation, how to make, how do you guys make good decisions when you have super sensitive mentalities to deal with everyone's emotional well-being? I don't know because well I think there's a like a pretty stark contrast in what I've seen like with my peers and everything. I think it either goes the route that you are worried about offending everyone so you sacrifice saying anything at all for the sake of not offending one anyone. And then there's also some of my friends who basically are of the mindset which I probably was this for quite a bit of high school is that I'll just purposely offend everyone so that I can teach them a lesson and I don't care. I know it's the truth. So I'm going to say it in an unkind way along the way too, just to plow everyone down who cares so much about their feelings. But I think, um, I think there has to be a balance between those two camps where it's not saying things with the purpose of offending people, but you're not concerned if you're going to. Because if you go too far on either side, it's not going to work out at all. And I think definitely in this generation, lots of people care very too much about their feelings. I mean, even sometimes I find myself doing that maybe more than I should. But I think there has to be a balance where you're not so concerned about people's feelings, but at the same time, you're not just using the truth to purposely offend people's feelings. Um, but you just speak the truth without concern with what it'll do, you know? And if it offends someone, that's fine. And if it doesn't, that's good too. But I think there has to be kind of like having a sound state of mind where you, you just accept the fact that I know the truth and 
how it affects my environment and the people around me is not so much of a concern and but not in a, a super careless way either you know that's like being offensive for the sake of being offensive well there's people okay let me just throw throw a thought back there's people that are like this too they have no love in their heart towards people they're just kind of jerks i mean yeah i think i think i may have been that for a little bit because i like grew up in a in a family where we weren't afraid to say what we thought to each other and the objective was to like especially with my siblings was to offend the other person so that way you could get their emotions going because the second you got their emotions going you instantly win uh in the conversation but that's from definitely a different perspective than i think what's good for the real world application because if you actually want to win the heart of somebody um i don't like jesus was offensive but at the same time it all the truth he spoke was in love so i think you can't i think it's very childish to look at it like being offensive for the sake of just making someone's feelings and emotions come up just so you feel like you've won and i think that's something i've definitely had to work on in my life you know like where i've like i've said i've had to practice taking a step back and saying okay if i really actually care about this person my objective is not to make their emotions go wild so i can just prove that i'm right and show what a child they are but instead i'll speak the truth in love and if it offends them i'm okay with that too because i know it's the truth but that's not my objective is offending them. But I will tell you, your truth won't deal with their head conversation. It will go to their heart. And we see that with Jesus. When, when he interacted with the woman at the well, uh, there was times she tried to stir divisive conversation, and he just went beyond it. That's speaking the truth in love. And so if our whole motive is because we care about people, um, if you stand up to defend someone and stand up to speak on someone's behalf, like Jesus stood on behalf of the people when he went to the temple and overturned it, it wasn't for him. And he wasn't really angry at the people. He was angry at the motives and spirit behind the people. That's what he was going after. Now, some people keep embracing that. So that ended up coming to be part of the thing to kill him. But at the end of the day, it wasn't even, I'm going to speak the truth because I'm going to speak the truth, but your motive is because I don't care what you think. I think that's a wrong motive. I, and I know you're not saying that, Caleb. I, I just want to kind of clarify. It's learning to say and not say based on the motive of intention towards the environment around you. And sometimes it's strong. Sometimes it's actually softer. Sometimes you refrain but you're thinking about that, but you aren't in the mix of those decisions. I think that's kind of my point with bringing up my childhood with that whole situation, because my motive then was entirely different than it is now, because my motive was to simply just win and prove I'm right. Even if I wasn't right, the way to win was to bring up the emotions. But I think now the motive is the the sake of sharing the truth is for, or the purpose of sharing the truth is for the sake of others and not for myself whatsoever. So even in that, you don't like, I don't care how it ends up looking 
you know, I don't care for my reputation or anything like that. It's simply because I know the truth can set people free. So the motivation of that is for the freedom of other people, even if that doesn't mean my own freedom in that sense. I think we have to be willing to sacrifice that too, even. And I think that's where it's like stepping out of that place of frustration into being motivated by truth for the sake of love and setting other people free in that. So let's do a little bit of futuristic preparation here, because at the beginning, we mentioned this question, how do we stay up in a down world? And I'm, I'm curious if you guys have, have, have thought much about this yet or not, because I think it's pretty clear that there's more frustration and more division coming, even more so than has been built over the last year and a half or you know decades, really, in the world around us. There's going to be more us versus them, more lines drawn, more watch out for these people. They're dangerous. They're not compliant. There's going to be, you know, sides taken on, you know, there's people that don't want any vaccines. There's people that want to take all three COVID vaccines at the same time. And you guys got to watch out for each other. And there's frustration built up between all different sorts of beliefs. So how do we avoid lashing out in frustration in those times and in those conversations and in those situations when the world is trending more towards that? I think uh, for me, for the going on the thought of how to stay up in a down world, um, to me, it has a lot to do on how do you look at it? How are you looking at a down world in a sense? Because when I think of looking at the world as a down world, you can go off the spiral of, oh, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So why do anything? Right. Or you can look at it as, wow, there's so much opportunity here to do the right thing for others, to love people, to hear people out, to develop deeper relationships, to bring the world out of darkness into a better light. So I think it has a lot to do with how are you looking at a down world? But I think it's really easy to just say, oh, forget it. You know, everything's going downhill, so I'm just going to do my thing. But I don't think that's the right thing to do. It all comes back to the last couple podcasts talk about knowing versus knowledge. If we know something, it becomes a part of you and a deep knowing. And I'm going to recommend we have brand new people that transitioned from a completely different religion and culture at the effect of their family relationships on their choice. And they have gotten to know the Bible. They see it as something written to them. They see their position as, as children of God in that, and the Father showing them how to live life and how to look at things. They know, they're starting to know the stories, and not just know them when they come and talk about them. It's like they see themselves in it. They're, they're becoming a part of it. It's just powerful. No one even told them how to do this. They just started absorbing it, not as information, but this is what I am. This is what's been given to me. This is how those who were former brothers and sisters lived in this. This is how they interacted. This is how they went about things. And the more we could start seeing that, we can see powerful victories. And if we remember in Hebrews, the men of faith did great exploits. They 
shut the mouths of lions. They defeated armies. They did that. And some had to go run and hide in caves and they were persecuted. Some were sawn in sunder. So there's all these different things that a person was put into, but they all were looked at as heroes. And I think the first thing is not looking at how someone's handling it, but are they handling it from a place of confidence of knowing God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, knowing them as a part of them that our value, our identity, those things have got to become absorbed from that so we can think how to navigate in this world. Then you could throw any believer into any environment and the outside may be horrible, but the inside just keeps shining and keeps coming out and just keeps coming out and just keeps coming out. And that's what we were designed to be. It's the most freeing place in the world. It is truly the most freeing place in the world. Now you can look at everything differently. And I, I think living outside of the U.S. so long has given me a whole different perspective of how to live as a guest in another kingdom. And I, I thought to my, I was telling my daughter the other day, you know, I could live here the rest of my life, but I will always be an outsider. I will always, I, I can understand their customs, how to do it, how to interact, how to buy. I can, I get to know relationships, but I will never be able to think like they think because I'm not of that kingdom. I'm of a different kingdom and I'm in this kingdom but I'm not of that kingdom. And if we can get that paradigm shift in our local location, I'm in this place, but I'm not of this place. I will never think, I can know how to conduct myself, but I will never think like they think. And it, it changes everything. It gives a compassion towards things. It keeps you bigger than the opposition that's against you. And on the flip side of that, think of how frustrating it would be if you saw yourself as of the same kingdom or people as them and tried to interact in that way. You would get frustrated when things wouldn't make sense or wouldn't go the right way or when you would say something and they would take it a different way because you didn't understand that that phrase and that culture means something different that's the breeding ground for frustration because you've got the wrong perspective of who you are and who they are. And I wonder if at times that's the source of a lot of our frustration. We are assuming that other groups or other people that are not of the kingdom of God are of the kingdom of God and have the same heart and the same mind of Christ. And, and when it turns out that that's not the case, we get frustrated or we expect them to think the same way that we do when maybe it would help by changing that perspective a bit, like you said. Caleb, when you're looking at all this stuff that, that may or may not happen, when you're looking at the future, because I know you're not someone that just, you know, lives in the past too much, even though you appreciate the past, how do you look at just personally, individual, as a man, how you are going to deal with the frustration that inevitably comes as the world changes, as things go from bad to worse, or maybe bad to a little bit better. When you deal with those things, how are you prepared to avoid the frustration or not avoid the frustration, but to deal with it and keep your head above that line when it comes? Um, yeah, I think there's a couple like practical things that 
I've tried to practice in my life and still do that, I think are really big help. And I think like we've been saying, perspective is one of them. So like knowing my identity, seeing myself correctly, seeing others well. And then also like you were saying with not viewing others like as a part of the same kingdom, I think there has to be a lot of like patience with other people and grace for that. Because I think like even in this generation too, another thing is like, we want everything really quickly, like instant gratification. But I think um, when it comes to particularly dealing with other people, like in the future, I think having patience to just be willing to build relationships with other people um, when it comes to being frustrated with them. I think when you begin to understand people more, you'll be less frustrated with them. And I think another thing for myself too, is just honestly, like what came to my mind was gratitude. And I think being grateful for what I have in my life. And even if it's like the littlest things, I think everything is for me, like a blessing from God. So I think focusing on not focusing on the negative of the world and not focusing on uh, what the future holds and all the potential bad things or frustrating things that could happen, but simply um, focusing on what is good in my life, even at times when it doesn't feel like it, I think we still have to like keep our emotions in check and be like, no, I do have um, blessings in my life. And I know that may be hard for some people to hear listening. And I know that would be hard for myself to hear, especially maybe in the past with certain situations. But I think keeping that perspective of like, you know, not everything is so bad. And because I think everybody like maybe like saying it's a down world, if if it's always a down world, then it can seem hopeless. But I think keeping hope and being grateful in that for what there is that is in that i just want to leave this one point is i believe there's place in this world that we have to take a stand at the effect of our life but i this whole thing is don't do it out of an emotional frustration because of how it's affecting you you take a stand because it's the right thing to do that will affect everyone else and the future and if we can just get that paradigm we could have powerful changes in our world. The world's still coming. Jesus is still going to return, but at least we could push back and we should push back evil on every front as long as we're alive. But we can't do it from our emotions anymore. We've got to discover what we are and get that solid. So when we're standing, we're not moved by the nonsense but we could deal with what needs to be dealt with so people could be set free. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, two short questions to leave you guys pondering um, between this episode and the next one for all of our lovely listeners. What are some things that you know frustrate you and have frustrated you in the past to where you can look back with 2020 hindsight, you realize the situation frustrated you, how you reacted in that, and how do you prepare yourself now for when that happens again? Because one of the things that, that all of us have mentioned, preparation, taking the time, stepping back, that's your one of your biggest allies in this entire walk. So 
Think of it now. How are you going to prepare yourself for when a situation comes and frustrates you to your core, something that you hold dear? So keep that on your mind. We appreciate you guys being in each and every episode. Until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight. Mm-hmm.